Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger here, joined by Forever Buff Ryan Moeller to recap Colorado season opener. Ryan, we did a catching up with podcast over the summer that went great. Uh, lucky to have you back on the podcast. This time, kind of analyzing things a little bit and uh, certainly some negative stuff we've got to hash over from Friday night. But you were in the building. You were in Folsom Field. Uh, yeah. what, what's it like as a former player coming back to Folsom Field? Magical. Magical. You know, I, I don't know if you were called, but uh, Cheeto, Cheeto Beauzier, he was I think he was there in attendance as well. But he did uh, the Let's Go Ralphie or the the big kickoff, the big send off. I think anytime you have a relevant players come back and do something like that or, or be able to give a message to the team. You know, pretty uplifting stuff. It always kind of gets you fired up. You know, you, I remember being in those positions and wanting to see these guys come back to the team and like trying to rile us up, say, Oh, let's get there, baby. Let's go get that game. And, you know, I think they set the great tempo out there. Now, unfortunately what happened, the weather <laughs> yeah, came in for us. So were you in the stadium when the lightning delay occurred or were you still? Yeah, in yeah, point? I was. We're on the West side. Right. Um, and you can, you can see out there over the, uh, the home stands <clears throat> into the distance and you see the, the lightning cracking over the, over the head there. And, um, we saw it coming. It was kind of eerie, right? Because I remember back, was it 2015 or yep. so when we had Oregon come up there and we had this huge, everyone was pumped up. All the, the, the lifeblood is there in the stadium. Like the, the fans that were there this weekend, everyone was there this weekend. Everyone was pumped up. See Ralphie run. And then I guess we have to take a timeout for, for the weather. And so that can always kind of mess with the team. And I, and I wonder how much of an effect maybe that messed with their, their juice or, how they felt about going into starting the game, you know? Yeah. And early on, there was some positive signs offensively. I know they Certainly. weren't able to finish off some of those drives, but you saw some different things offensively than what we saw the previous couple of years. And there was, you know, a few, few nice stretches by Brennan Lewis, but again, just not able to convert that into as, as many points. And I felt in the first half, the Horn Frogs were kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit, missed opportunities by them. And so you kind of had missed opportunities on both sides in that first half, a seven, six score at halftime. And you know, I, I don't know, you, you maybe felt both positive and negative if you're a CU fan at halftime from those missed opportunities, but also feeling, okay, we're, we're hanging in there in, in this football yeah. game. And then the second half occurs and TCU racks up 261 yards on the ground in the second half alone outscores the Buffaloes 31 to seven Jeez. in that second, second half. And just want to get your overall takeaways from, from Friday night's game. Yeah. You know, um, something that we always live and operate by, right. Um, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Um, also another, another good saying that we have come by is, you know, you can't tell the difference between someone who's timid and doesn't know what they're doing. Right. Um, I will say, that I agree with you in the point where I was looking at my friend. So it, it, it's funny enough, uh, we were able to uh, bring up my wife or my fiance's friends from TCU. She went to TCU, have a whole experience and listen to someone else talk about the game and what they see too. And what you're saying about TCU not coming out very hot, I would agree that they, they did not come out strong. Um, took a while to get the train rolling and, and that was enough for the buffs to be able to hang in and us for it to push through things. Um, I also believe that it's, it's hard for you as a player 
an integral role, such as a, a DB, a linebacker, or a lineman, or the quarterback, right? To have enough input and enough change to be able to, or not enough change, but enough time to maybe get your juices flowing, right? Get you on a roll, get you on a rhythm. I was interested when I was seeing that they were, you know, mixing and matching with Shroud and Lewis. Um, did I say that right? Shroud? Yeah, I said yeah. right. Yeah. Pulling them in and out. I, I don't know if that's exactly the best, uh, the option. I mean, I think you need to be able to develop your own confidence. I saw uh, flavors of that with Lewis, right, and being able to scramble and, and pick up some extra yards. Um, and then also – Shroud was able to to throw and, and sling and sling that rock <laughs> as much as we want around the field. Um, it just very much depends upon, I think, the temper of the, the coaching staff and how we're going to go through and attacking because we weren't executing. Um, and then, you know, we held them through, you know, the half to a, a close margin and then they come back and then, you know, we, we give up anytime you give up a, a touchdown for the defense, the opposing defense or the special teams of their units, that that can be a little bit of a blow to you. And, um, you know, there are a lot of mistakes, I think, by the young cats out there. And, and that's just it, though. It's this isn't uh, you're uh, a deeply experienced team. Now, there's a lot of experience in there mixed in, but we have a lot of young kids in there trying to make a name for themselves. So. They're trying to figure that out right now. And I think as far as playing time, they're going to start ironing that out here in the next couple of weeks, maybe as far as quarterbacks go, pulling two different quarterbacks here and there. And um, I'm excited to see what these kids can build on. They show that they can play, right? You know, they're not, they're here for a reason. And um, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm super excited to see what, uh, what they can grow from this, right? You know, how can they they make the changes and come back for the next game? And that's the most important thing, right? Is this, um, is the the changes at half. And when you can make those changes, then you can execute better. And I think, you know, they're, they're the efforts there. They just need to hone in on a few things at this point. You mentioned Brandon Lewis making some plays with his legs. Obviously, the bigger issue with him has always been the passing game. And that was his 13th start at at CU. Mm -hmm. And in six of those 13, he's failed to pass for 100 or more yards. And and again, had that happen on Friday night with just Mm -hmm. 78 yards passing on 18 attempts. Yep. Is that enough of a sample size that, in my opinion, I think you need to roll with Shroud and just see what you have there? Because I mean, that's I I don't think, right? 13 games. That's, yeah. that is a, that is, a, that is a season. And, and I don't think you can continue to go forward the way they rotated those guys. I, I don't think it was fair to shroud either. I mean, you put him no, in it's not at their own one yard line and he actually made a few plays, didn't have enough time on the clock and, and almost threw a pick in there. But uh, I think you've got to at least give him an opportunity for a full game. If Brendan Lewis has had 13 of them at this point, yeah. right? Well, that- I think that's exactly right. You know, let, let's, let's set our boys up for success. You know, um, this isn't high school anymore. This isn't middle school. This isn't everyone gets time. You know, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't your place out there. You were in your right to your reps. Um, <clears throat> and then if you're not producing, then, you know, next man up. Right. And unfortunately uh, at the, at this time, 
I don't, we're not in the building and we're not in, we're not in the rooms with them watching film and we're not in there on the practice field, but we can say that as far as production standpoint, standpoint, excuse me, there's no way that um, if you were looking at this as any other thing as a business now, because I think with, and this would be another rabbit hole for a different time, but NIL and stuff and the opening of the doors for, uh, you know, these players to make money and do things with themselves. This is more of a business for the individual universities and the players than it's really ever been before. So we're going to have to start making those business decisions in what we believe is going to be best for the next game, that next quarter, that next half, right? Like we're not, you, you can't just jump back and forth with these, with these two players. Like they were the other night. Now maybe they're trying to, don't know what they were trying to do uh, with, with get equal playing time of sorts and see what they can do, see what they can make of it. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see the lessons they can learn from this. Now, I don't think Doral is uh, stupid by any means. I don't think any of these other coaches are stupid, but sometimes, unfortunately, you have to have some learning moments, right? And if we want to talk about the 2016 season, everything that led up to that season was years in the making to that point. It wasn't just like, oh, we're here now, right? That's not how that works. So um, like I made mention before about the change at the halftime or change in between games, those critiques are are up to the individual to take and implement. And then obviously the coaching staff too, to make sure that they can feed the kids and give them that lifeblood and the, and the juice they need to go out there and be confident in playing. But as you're pointing, I don't know if switching back and forth to your offensive uh, flag holders, right? Your offensive, the, the the men at the helm, right? I don't know if it makes sense to keep switching out the captain. Now, JT Shroud, he's a gunslinger. And we yes. saw that on Friday night. And that's what he did when he was at Tennessee before he transferred. Yeah. There's, a, there's a possibility if you start JT Shroud in a game, he could throw three, four, even maybe even five picks, but he's going to give your so, offense to put up some fireworks on the other hand. Uh, again, with Brendan Lewis, we're now 13 games in to him starting football games. I, I think there's enough of a sample size to say that, you know, he, he doesn't make, he doesn't have those risky decisions out there, but he also doesn't put up the fireworks. Uh, you were a safety nickelback right. it, it's it's CU, but you were an offensive player before that. Would you rather have the quarterback that, yeah, he's going to make some mistakes, but he's also going to really give you an opportunity as an offense to put up some right. points? No, I think that's a great question. I think um, I would fall back to that where I said, uh, you know, defensively, you can't tell the difference between someone who doesn't know what they're doing or someone who's timid. I think offensively and how college football is going and what we like to see from this West coast offense and a lot of these reads and the play actions and these deep shots is you need some electricity. You definitely need electricity. Um, and if you know, is it, is it the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't know? Like, would you, would you take someone who you know is going to go for it? They might miss, but we're going to, we're going to take the shots. We're going to be aggressive. Or would you rather have someone that's passive? And now a lot of that's up to maybe the play calling, you know, but I, I'm certainly with you. Like I would like, I want the chance for the electricity, you know, that lifeblood. And I, I think that's what a lot of fans want. Now, obviously consistency is key and, and we all want consistency, but at the same time, you gotta, you gotta get the juices flowing, right? <laughs> like, 
Yeah. We can't sit back and, and, and be miss have bad numbers in the box offensively, meaning looking at the defense and how the numbers stack up versus the right side and the left side, as far as where the linebackers are shifted and the D line, maybe they're an over or under front or, or whatever. Um, and then you run right, we run right into the numbers. I mean, we're watching, I'm watching the TCU offense and they, they went to the zone option and some read option. And they're just up there getting up there, two back sets, 21 um, and others. And they're looking out there and they're counting the numbers and like, okay, we're going to go right here. And I'm sitting there. I said, they're going to go on this side. Like, this is what they're going to do. What do they do? They do that because they have the opportunity to see everything that's in front of us. So um, as far as offense goes, we need to improve there, but defensively too, we, we need to tighten up and be able to defend, you know, these areas. We can't just go out there and try and throw quarters at everything. That's yeah. not going to solve it. So. Yeah. Sticking with the defense there, they didn't get a lot of pressure on TCU, no sacks, uh, no takeaways yeah. defensively. And then I mentioned that TCU had 261 rushing yards in the second half. How much of that do you put on the scheme or lack of halftime adjustments? And how much of that could just be flat out? The score got out of reach and you know, not to point out specific players, but maybe just as a general on defense, you, you kind of quit a little bit in, in terms of executing your assignments and, and kind of having that same focus that you, you did earlier in the game. Right. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to say about character. Um, maybe not specifically honing in on Colorado for this point, but, you know, character, right. It's doing the right thing when people aren't looking and it's being dependable and it's showing up um, when you, when, when we're getting worked over because other things have people haven't been doing their job or maybe um, we're not in the right scheme or, or it could be various different things. Right. But I think that the character shows and, um, sometimes with, with young teams, you kind of see the, everything comes to fruition and, and people let things up. I saw, um, you know, it was like the, the 38 to 13 score when, um, at the very end of the game, like I got, uh, from TCU, I would have to pull him up. Was it Kendry Miller? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They had a touchdown or, or, or whatever. And, so you, you see, you see lack of, lack of effort for, for assignments, you know, like one, the one guy's out here on the edge, he's, he's setting the edge, getting it to go inside. Yeah. You're doing your job, but like, are you doing your job, <laughs> you know, pa- passively I'm here, but I'm not really doing it. And then the, the effort on the inside, they're, they're crap, they're crashing the boards and, um, you know, they're, they're crossing over their feet. They're not staying square. And, and so a lot of mental mistakes were happening that I was seeing and, and quite frustrating. And there are other players on this team, on this squad, and, you know, maybe we'll see how they keep playing later on um, that are veteran older players and could have a lot more influence, you know, by, by doing the practice, what you preach. And I don't know what they're preaching, but I think, um, the proof is in the pudding, right? So if, if the, if the camera's catching you give an effort all the time, then you have the excuse to tell, or not the excuse, but the, the right to pull everyone else in and say, why the heck aren't you running to the ball right now? Why aren't you giving that effort that that game, the whole, the whole, most of the night, right? It really wasn't that far out of reach. And it's, it, it, it's minor details that, uh, 
can pull you in or out of the game, right? And when when guys aren't doing their assignments or they're just they're they're in the they're on the D line and 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 they're meant to be there to set the edge or plug their gap or be a force and they're more or less uh can I say titty bumping? <laughs> All right, you'll probably edit it out. I don't think this is live right now, but if it is, then thanks guys. Um <laughs> if they're up there, you know, titty bumping each other just to get through the next whistle, like I expect more, right? And you would expect more out of, out of experienced players, but um, I didn't see a lot of I didn't see a lot of leadership when things were tough, um, and that definitely kind of tells you where you maybe you're at as a team, and especially a defense. You know, when you're out there and, and you're just t- you're taking hits instead of trying to give some back. Maybe it's out of reach, but if you're just rolling over, you know. Characters, characters hard to overcome in college football. Um, and, it, you know, with young guys, it, it seems like we have to maybe focus more on it now than we used to in the past. TCU skill players. Yeah, no, TCU skill players, they flashed at times, you know, obviously the punt return and when they got things going on the ground. I don't know. Was there that big of a talent gap, though? I, I think maybe some of their offensive skill talent, maybe a few a times no. flash, but. So it probably came down to more execution and and just lack of halftime adjustments, right? Well, I mean, maybe you tell me, tell me what you think about that. I mean, um, I have, again, I I thought TCU's, they definitely have skill talent. There's no question. I think that's a football team that's going to score a decent amount of points this year, but I I didn't see a huge gap. I, I did see more from an effort standpoint defensively late in the game. And then, offensively it was really more of an execution issue especially more early in the game when they were you know in the red zone there were three drives early in the game where they were able to make headway and get in scoring position and that's when you saw the lack of execution so um tcu's got some players but i feel like that's a that's a defense that you you definitely need to score more than 13 points against they do but you know we we can also call it like it is and I hope it changes and I hope I can see some that grows from this. Right. But um, everyone on these teams, big 10, big 12, PAC 12, SEC, ACC, everyone was the man where they came from. Right. Everyone was the man. All it has to do is, is, is change of effort. Right. That, that, that is the difference. The big difference. That's the hard work works when, when talent does it. Now I don't think I don't think that there was a huge talent gap between the two teams. I thought the matchup was was honestly quite quite good. Now you know Sonny Dykes' offensive minded coach though he's going to try and he wants to throw up the points. You guys are going to score, but we're going to score more is his thought, and that's exactly what they did. Um, but to minimize you know attacks like that from your opponents, you have to be able to to tune up and lock down things on the back end, right? The, the uh, missed assignments, missed alignments, like that stuff is going to kill you day in and day out. Um, you know, I know how they go into the, they go into their meetings there and, and they listen to film and, and they get a grade sheet just like you do when you used to in class. I don't know if you remember the, your worst class um, or your subject, but there was probably a time you hated seeing those grade sheets come back or those grade reports come back, whatever assignment it was. And when you're playing football, and you're getting back a C because of alignment and assignment and execution. 
aren't there. Like you're there for two of the three, but maybe the third, the third is the only one you succeed on. That's just, that's just not locking it down. You, you go to uh, your uh, USC's of sorts, <laughs> um, Notre Dame, you go to Ohio State, most of the SEC conference, the attention to detail and the discipline is there. I don't know if it's because of turnover or, I mean, I've had a fair amount of turnover experience in my past and being a, a past player, I can give you insight as to what it, it can be like. But it's also up to each individual player and in trying to make a difference and striving to be better and moving forward along with the coaches and everything. But I think, you know, if we can just tie down these smaller details. Then you don't have these, these 30 point unanswered or 31 point unanswered blowouts, or you don't have these, um, these, these opportunities for the offense or the defense to get screwed over or run over. And, and I think you're exactly on the mark there where you say, I think, you know, it, it, it is there. Well, I'm but, glad there wasn't yeah. a... I, I'm let's tighten it up, though, right? Let's just tighten it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad there wasn't a camera on me when I was taking my plant biology final in college because... Uh, <laughs> that, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you asked my worst class. That, that was it. I think that was my only D in college. But uh, just going uh, back to what these players are dealing with right now, yeah. you've, got, you've got fans that are are clearly frustrated. I mean, I'm done telling CU fans to be patient because outside of 2016, they haven't had a whole lot to cheer about in the last couple of decades. So you you got all this preseason optimism. They get on their buff gear on Friday, whether they went to the game or watched it on TV and they had high hopes and that that was shattered. So we know fans are now going to be very pessimistic going forward. They're going to want to have to see this team prove it on the field before they get excited again. What's it like in the locker room after you have all this optimism, all this excitement going into the season, you have high hopes, and then 38-13 happens? Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, not, not to make excuses, but I will say that and, and touch upon the, the game delay. Like that stuff can, can be such a drag for you. Um, and so when – when something happens like that for you and your team, I think you have to be able to look at yourself as far as how, how tough are you mentally, right? Cause you, you, every, everyone was juiced up, warmups are going, music's playing. You're getting ready to walk, like to run out behind Ralphie. The crowd's pumped up. Everyone's been doing their thing. And, and I'll sidebar a little bit from that real quick. As far as the fans go, those fans in Boulder, they do not play around, <laughs> especially with their pregaming, right? Um, and so they've been out there, they've been all juiced up too, right? And they've been drinking and, and they've been having a good time trying to bring the energy into the stadium. They do. And then they get kind of shut down, right? Because of the delay. And, um, you know, it's on the fans too to help bring things into the game, but, um, that's, that's just football. And that's just going, going out there and doing your thing in outside. Like we don't have a dome. You got to respond to adversity. That's just a shot of adversity for us. Right. You can't, you can't let that suck it out of you. But I will say, you know, when you go out there as a player and you're juiced up and you're ready to go and they're like, okay, back in weather delay. You're doing the best to keep things up in the locker room, but let's think about it. That's like, um, that would be like for the average fan getting ready to go into going into the movie theater, see the movie they've been waiting for. Maybe the new Star Wars movie, some they're 
absolutely juiced for you ever been to one of these movies where the whole crowd is sold out adam yeah imagine trying to go in there for that movie and they call a weather delay and pull you out and you have to go just sit somewhere else and wait for 30 minutes 40 minutes next thing you know it's an hour where's your juice (laughs) strange analogy but the, the thing is is that this means so much to these kids and you know unfortunately the weather came out but that's something that they're going to need to learn to deal with um, that we, we had to as well. It's, it is hard, but that is an adjustment you're going to have to make um, to, to only worry about what you can control, right? The tangibles you can control effort, discipline. You can't control the weather and you can't control the refs unless you stop holding or playing dirty. Right. (laughs) So that's, that's a, that's how we kind of looked at it. Um, Bunch of music, Blaring in there to try and get us juiced up again, but it does. It's hard on the players when they have to come back in. Um, so I can only imagine what it's like playing down in in Florida or in, or in the South, maybe when they have a some thicker moving in. Um, but but those those students were juiced up. I mean, they juice. I think they they sold out their allotment of fourteen thousand student passes. Certainly, and, and there was that many were, there, if not more. Yeah, more. yeah. See, so you you maybe worry are they going to get that showing again? You know, following this performance, hopefully they do, uh, right? Because that that does make a difference, right? Yeah, no, it does. Uh, you need the fans behind you. You really do. Um, you worry about them coming back, uh, but you know what? We'll put them back in the stands. Is a show of effort and execution on the field because that's going to lean lean to and towards victories, right? Good games. That's what, you know, we're all there for a good game and support everybody. Um, I remember a time, though, we were playing Cal and I don't know, I think it was 2013. Um, and we were beating Cal. But Colorado had, had not been good historically. Or, I mean, historically, yes, but in the recent years, shown some, uh, some triumph and, and strife, right? Harder things out there for them. And uh, we were winning the game. And people were leaving the stands. And that's that's pretty hard to see as a player when you guys are executing right. And so you wonder what's going to happen when you guys do execute. But I can say, uh, without a doubt, if you show consistency, consistent grit, effort, right, then people are going to be able to be behind you and support you. I think I think it goes a little deeper than football, and I think consistency is is something that the crowd probably struggles with because maybe they're not getting it in return as they feel on the field, and and that can just be a lot to ask of some twenty year old kids. But you know, important lessons and things can come from it, and I think that they'll be there and they'll be able to do everything. Um, it's just going to take effort and consistency. You know, a bunch of both. There weren't a ton of positives from Friday night, but there were a few. You had uh, a couple true freshman receivers that had their first catch. Jordan Tyson is a guy that generated a lot of hype during the summer, had a 23-yard catch in the end zone with yeah. just over a minute left in the game. And and he's young for his grade. He's 17 years old right now, but he's made yeah. some really tough catches look easy throughout 
his short time in Boulder so far. And so he's got a really bright future. Chase so well also had a, a catch in that game. Mm-hmm. And then sticking with the receivers, Daniel Arias is a guy that that had really struggled with consistency earlier in his career at CU and had a nice debut on Friday night on his 24th birthday. That yeah. catch he made Happy late. Birthday. Happy belated. <laughs> that 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 was a nice almost a kind of a shoestring catch he made there from Shrout late in the first half. Uh, so it's good to see him playing with some more consistency. He matched his career high with four catches on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, sophomore kicker Cole Becker goes two for two, uh, was solid in his first game as a sophomore. And then I thought on the defensive line, Terrence Lang and Neem Rodman played pretty steady and, and both had strong games. Uh, they, they didn't get any sacks, but I, I thought those guys had, had a few moments in there as well. Were, were there any things from a positive standpoint that stood out to you? Yeah, I like the uh, I I I love the the linebacking core. I could appreciate the the senior leadership they had there and effort I was seeing from those guys. Um, I gotta say, yeah, I was I was hyper fixated defensively. <laughs> yeah, because I was so used to being out there with them and and then hoping the offense and depending on the offense to do what they do. Um, I thought that, you know, Shrout came out and we had talked about him and, and he, he did well. Um, true freshman coming out, Tyson, making a little bit of a name for himself. It, it's uh, and, and even defensively with, with some of the DBs, Isaiah Lewis, too. He's shown to grow to be uh, more dependable as a, a young man out there and someone who's going to give you a lot of that effort. Uh, but that linebacking core, you know, they had a, a great opportunity to try and you know, uh, take a stand and make a name for themselves. And sometimes, you know, it just flows downhill, but I, uh, I saw the communication out there and, and if your guys aren't communicating with each other, then you're not going to do well. And obviously there are other things to fix, but you communication is one of those things that we can control. And I thought that communication was there at least between the players on the field. Right. Um, and you know, I was happy all around. I think um, for each individual player and seeing something that they did, they did well, maybe it's a good move on the line, a good set on the line, a good pass block, you know, Alex, uh, Fontenot or Fontenot, excuse me. He, he did a, he's done a great job at being a, a durable back and someone who, who's going to just try and pound it as much as he can and give you that effort. So, um, you know, everyone, had something that they did well. And I hope that they can focus on those things and develop those other things so that they can pull those negative side effects or, or the miscues for us in the future through everything else. Um, and then, you know, I just pray we can figure something else out as far as consistency offensively with the quarterbacks. Um, you know, it's just, it's not fair. And it, it's hard for even the linemen or the running backs or skill receivers to be on a queue there just like it might be for your defensive leaders if if they're not out there for the rest of the defense and you got other people filling in you know um, everyone has the position and they need to play it and they're trying their best and I'm hoping to see more from in I think that I think that we will you know give the give the kids a break a little bit and give them an opportunity to to come back and, and keep fighting I I don't know what's gonna be in store with us or for us for the rest of the year but I don't know if we're going to see a lot of laying down. Um, I did see a lot on the sideline of them getting back at these kids about effort and coming back in and trying, but 
but you know, that's going to be, if we're seeing that these other teams are seeing that. And then the coaches for the boys are seeing that. So they're going to be hounding in on that because otherwise that's going to be a huge weak point. That's going to be a big heel Achilles heel for us. We heard throughout the off season that the leadership on this team had improved. You, you had a number of guys leave the program. It was kind of a circle of the right. wagons situation in January. And Carl Drell said that there were 30 quality leaders, part of the unity council. And so a lot of options, he said, in terms of picking captains and guys that were consistently leading, do you think see you showing next Saturday at air force is going to be a good indicator of really if the improved leadership on this team is, is a real thing. You hope that with each opportunity that they can like make something out of what's in front of them to improve upon. Um, you know, I remember all too well, uh, a couple of, was it last year or the year prior? Cause this air, the air force, <clears throat> um, games have gone on. Has it been three seasons or is this the second season now? It was 2019. The last time they, okay, they so played 2019. Them. So 2019, those, those boys did some running. <laughs> yeah. They did some running. Um, and I know those boys, the, the guys at CU and then the office, they have all that film too. Right. And Air Force is someone who's been consistently willing to fight and punch you in the mouth. Um, you know, I, I, it's all a part about the individual for the team, right? And are they going to be able to come back from something like this or come back and show that leadership? And um, that's a huge difference between game one and game two. It's, okay, sometimes when you're playing in the next game, like you were the team that won or you were the team that lost. And so what are the lessons you learned from that so that we can move forward? And this is like I, I keep saying and hounding on an opportunity. That's all we can ask for, right, is an opportunity to show the leadership or the opportunity to show the, the, the combativeness of the team, the, the willingness to show up and, 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 and do the best to execute. Now, we fall, fall short. We're all human, right? But, you know, what are you going to do with this opportunity and, and Boy, do they have a great opportunity in front of them to make a statement to another uh, team in Colorado. Um, one that it, we know is disciplined. One that we know is going to come out and try and punch them in the mouth. And, you know, let's, let's see if they can pull it together. Let's see if they're going to pull them up by their britches and, and get to work. Or if, uh, you know, they're just going to mail it in for the rest of the season. And I don't think it's going to be the latter of the two. But, you know, everyone has a decision to make. And we're going to see what that decision is going to be this upcoming weekend with Air Force. Now, it's I don't know. It, it, it has been some, some time since we played them leading up to this. I think it was over 30 years. Yeah, it was a long yeah. time. And then we had never played TCU before this game. So, um, you know, for everyone considered, it's, it's new competition, week one. It's, it's a new feeling for most people, not used to seeing CU and Air Force play coming up here in week two. So are you going to be able to make your changes and can we execute? I think that's going to probably going to be some of the, the top two or three um, items to focus on for this team this week coming up is execution and effort. Yeah. yeah and if you don't execute against air force, you're in trouble. And, and mm -hmm. this is a, a better air force team than the team that beat CU in overtime and Folsom in 2019 
They won their season opener 48-17 over Northern Iowa, put up 691 yards of total offense, 582 on the ground. uh, That's my father's alma mater, so I was hurting when I saw those (laughs) scores. Yeah, you know, they put up 10.2 yards per play in their opener, and, uh, you know, they they lost two fumbles. Otherwise, that could have even been more lopsided win for Air Force, and they've got a good quarterback, Hazik Daniels. He started 19 games there dating back to the beginning of the 2020 season. And Air Force was picked to finish second behind Boise State in the Mountain West preseason media poll, had 10 first-place votes. So this right now, as things stand, the best football team, the college football team on on the front range, and a unique challenge anytime you go up against their option attack because that's just not not something you practice on a regular basis. It's it's that type of football that has consistently given – defenses issues if they are not gap sound in discipline. So um, we could be, we could be in for some hurt if guys aren't figuring things out or, or staying where they need to stay and, and, and being a force. But if you are, and you are playing sound football, complimentary football, um, there's a great opportunity here to just be methodical about everything. They are predictable, and I think that they could happen that way. Now, you were talking about the uh, – or maybe I should say toting about that offense there. They can definitely do a lot of damage, um, and they are crafty, and and you best believe that they are looking for ways to exploit Colorado's defense as well as um, defensively trying to come after us um, offensively and how we handle things. So you best believe, you know, Colorado, those coaches are are tirelessly working right now. They've been up since (laughs) – five o'clock if not earlier cracking away at what we did wrong and what we need to do better next week and that's it it is is being self-critical watching the tape being honest and fixing what needs to be fixed and they have an opportunity to do something and that's all they can ask for right opportunity so i am i'm looking forward to watching that game i'm looking forward to watching the buffs continue to push through. Now I might not catch the game because I might be busy getting married next weekend. <laughs> um, you know, you got a uh, good excuse to was, miss that one, but I will say this last time I was in a wedding in at that time of year in Utah, it was when CU was playing Nebraska at home and they came back and they, they really pulled off a big one and they pulled off something that was pretty awesome. So, um, I've got faith in Colorado for me here on on this, that weekend coming up, and I think that they're going to be able to do something pretty special. Um, just take the information, be coachable, and you know move forward. That's all we have to do is move forward, right? Like you said, being gap sounded is even more important going up against Air Force. What what are the other keys when you go up against that offense? I'd imagine first down is such a critical down because if you keep them from gaining anything there, then it kind of puts them out of what they want to do offensively. Right. Right. Yeah. They're going to want to try and and take out a big chunk of yards um, in that first down, anything over three yards. Great. You know, over five, even better up seven plus is, is phenomenal because it gives you options, right. And what you can do um, moving forward for the next few downs. Um, that team is going to be someone who's going to, who's definitely going to attack things. And I think as far as keys and, and things to watch is pick, you need to pick up on cues on film and out there on the field, as far as tendencies. Okay. So they came out in this formation, which is more or less always the same formation <laughs> with, with air force. Okay. This guy's going this motion. Now what, what, if he goes here in this motion, 
what are our possible plays, right? And and this high level of thinking can actually it can cloud a lot of thought process. So um, while it's good to be able to think out there, it's also can be your worst your worst enemy, right? Your worst nightmare. You want to play fast, but you have to be able to recognize plays in front of you. So what do you need to do to do that? You have to make it applicable to you. You have to make it make sense to you, and you have to be able to break it down. So what are, where are we going to start? Everyone lines up. I'm looking at the big men up front. What are your splits? They look like somewhat normal. And this is all so quickly, too, at a glance. This isn't, okay, let me get the ruler out. We're going to measure how far the, the splits are on the linemen, where the depth are on the backs. So it's all very quick information loads here. So, you know, looking at the linemen, does this guy usually have this foot back? Why does he have this foot back? Oh, it's a guard or it's a tackle. Could be a polling situation. Maybe the ball's going to go over here. This guy, okay, you had that look. Maybe this guy's coming in motion. This guy's moving pre-snap. Okay, I'm ready maybe for a sweep over the top this way, but ready for some counter back this way underneath. So you don't want to get lost in the eye candy. And in that type of an offensive scheme, that Air Force is going to run against us. They're going to throw out a lot of candy, a lot of razzle-dazzle to get your eyes looking, to get you back on your heels. And the next thing you know, they're five yards into the – into the secondary or into the second line of the defense, excuse me. And, and they're, and they're just, they're cracking away. They're pounding away. So it's going to be important to be on your toes, get your pre-snap reads as well as your, your, uh, your in the play reads and, and, and feeling the motion of everything, but you got to listen, you got to be smart and you got to communicate. And, you know, through film, they're going to be able to pick up on a lot of this stuff. And there's going to be some stuff they're going to throw at them that Colorado isn't ready for. Adjustment is huge, though. That's defense. We're adjusting. We're playing second. You know what you're doing on offense, but I'm going to stop you on this end. And I think the most powerful thing a defense can have is to be able to have a statement of, you're not getting past this line. You can know what we're going to do, but you're still going to have to stop it. And that's something I see Colorado's defense striving towards and and pushing forward and um, you know, with the effort and the execution and discipline, they're going to be there. But if they don't, then they're going to be playing on the on their heels, and they're going to be waiting for just to respond about what happens. So, they could definitely make some changes. I think to make to be proactive and and make their statements there. And um, you know, that staff is definitely t- equipped with the right folks to make it happen. So. I'm hoping they do. Quite a few forever buffs in the stadium on Friday night. I know when you catch up with guys you played with, you're not always talking about the the state of affairs with CU football, but I'm curious if you've had any conversations about, you know, why has this program struggled to sustain success? I I would imagine in 16, you guys probably felt like at the end of that, that, hey, we'd kind of laid a foundation. And, you know, unfortunately, things have just not been able to build on it for a myriad of reasons since then. Is that something you guys ever talk about just in terms of the challenges of of why this program hasn't been able to put together, uh, you know, string together successful seasons? Yeah, you know, it's there's not one answer. Um, it's multifaceted and a lot of it is, is opinion based. Um, you know, I think Rick George and and Lance Carl and and those guys up there are doing the best they can to to continue to develop a strong athletic performance from all the teams. Um, you know, specifically about football, 
you know, you look back at 16, you're talking about a team, okay, that we've gone through multiple years of building things up and we got the right players and the right coaches and the right systems in play that we needed to be successful. Um, and, you know, unfortunately with football and coaching, there's so much inconsistency as far as who's going to be there year to year, new jobs, new opportunities, or they got to let go from their current opportunity where, um, you know, the, the players are always just there, right? When I got to see you in 2013, some of these guys were on their fourth head coach. Most of them were on their third and then half of them on their second. So when you're trying to talk about uh, breeding and developing a program, you can't, you can't consistently plug and play coaches and pull people out and not have an opportunity to, to build things up. Now I understand there's a timeline for success and we need to see incremental success, but you're talking about the young men, uh, high teens, early twenties, looking for consistency and support in, in what we're doing. And a lot of us and a lot of them have to make an or a decision for themselves about best way to go about things and, and listening to coaches or what coaches are going to come in and do things for us. So when I'm talking to players and we're talking about things we've seen come in and out, you know, we're, we're preaching and, and we're praying and we're hoping that these kids can be consistent and devoted and disciplined, but we're not really giving them a whole lot of that on the front end. Um, and then we'll just call it like it is with Boulder. Boulder is, uh, is, it is a phenomenal place. It's a special place but it is not for everybody. And, um, you know, there's kids coming out of certain places or other places in the nation coming here to play. They're ready to play here. They get to Boulder and it's maybe it's too far from home. So it's a long skip and a jump for them to get back to, to their families that they have there. Um, so I guess, you know, the point is, is it's multifaceted. But if you want to preach consistency and devotion and dedication and due diligence to these kids, well, I think you need to give it to them on the front end, to the, to the men that are leading us or leading them into battle, being the coaches and the, and the staff. And, um, you know, it's just like any organization after, after college, you know, or when you're going into college, you don't realize this, but not every company makes the best business decisions. That's why the Browns have been crappy for so long or, or, or someone else or another company maybe hasn't, hasn't been there or companies fail, right? So I think before we continue to shout out the kids and we're not there, it, it's, it, it maybe is more of what comes downhill. You know, what's the message you're going to preach to these kids? You know, I thought Mike McIntyre did a phenomenal job of, of preaching, uh, of being better men and being there and being consistent. And that was the message he passed along. Now is that's not what everyone received. So be it. But, you know, coach McIntyre was the first coach to spend more than two or three seasons there in more than a decade. And you were able to see what could come from it. So, you know, food for thought there is, is my opinion. And, I just, I, I hope I can be proven wrong. It's just an opinion. 
I would love for them to come out and just totally mollywop and, and, and just take care of everyone they need to. Um, and I hope, I really hope they do. I hope that they prove me wrong and how we're feeling, but you know, we are all speaking from experience. You've been around for some time. I've been around for a little bit here. So, um, I think consistency is the, is the key here and the message needed for me. My takeaway. Like, like you mentioned, you're getting married in six days. So oh, uh, goodness. How long is the uh, list of uh, things that you got to get done before uh, tying the knot? Well, she's been texting me over here since we've been on this call saying, <laughs> Ryan, did you do item 10,009 yet? <laughs> I said, Maddie, I'm talking about the buffs. Well, I hope you guys have a, a great wedding and, and honeymoon after that. I know we're going to catch up on the other side of that, I think, after the UCLA game. But uh, obviously, you've got uh, an exciting time in your life coming up. So I appreciate you carving out a little bit before uh, the madness really gets no started for you. No problem. I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of this. Getting to talk about my buffs like this, it's, uh, it's brought back a lot of fun and a lot of good heart here. Um, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season with you guys. I'm sorry I'll be missing it here for about about two weeks but i'm i'll uh i'll listen back through this 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 this, uh podcast you know i don't think i've done anything like a season like this so um, yeah i'll take notes on myself and you know we'll we'll see what the buffs can do and i have i have the faith and and we should have faith that's all we have out here anyway so um we're gonna get a lot of work done this year and i'm just looking forward to taking the ride with you adam and, and the rest of buff nation baby Awesome. Thanks again, Ryan. Appreciate you for joining us on the podcast and uh, a rough debut for the Buffaloes, but they've got 11 more games. So we're, we'll see what the, the rest of the season brings. Thanks to everybody for tuning in.